Hello, coders. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're from. Um, it is episode 105 of uh, the How to Code Well podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about service unavailable. What does that mean? What is a 503 error? And why on earth am I even talking about this stuff? <laughs> So it is Thursday the 10th. Um, I'm uh, super happy to be here. I'm so sorry I didn't stream last um, last Tuesday again. I've just been so busy. Uh, plus with the evenings as light as they are, it's nice to, it's nice to get outside and do some, some gardening or take the dog for a walk. Um, you know, a longer evening walk up the the hill or whatever. Uh, so apologies for not streaming on Tuesday. I'll, I'll try again next week, but I'm definitely going to be streaming on Sunday, this Sunday on Twitch. I'll talk about that more later. Let's get into the topic of the today's show. So service unavailable. This is a 503 HTTP error code. And the reason why this has been in the news recently is because Fastly, the um, one of a, a big CDN, unfortunately dropped the ball, shall we say, on um, on on their uh, CDN, and uh, there was a big outage caused by genuine configuration that was, you know, when I say genuine, it was it was legitimate configuration from the point of view of their their uh, application. Um, it was configuration that uh, that one of their clients put in and off of the back of a software update i think it happened on on the 12th of may this software update came in uh, there was um th this software update didn't catch this issue or something like that and basically uh, on what was it uh, what what date was it june the 8th on tuesday um, a customer pushed a valid configuration change that included a specific circumstance so an edge case that triggered a bug which caused 85% of their traffic to go down. So it was a huge, huge, huge outage. Unfortunately, massive kudos to the DevOps uh, team at Fastly because in 49 minutes, they managed to get 95% of all their traffic back up or, you know, all of their customers and clients back up. So, you know, just a humongous undertaking there. Uh, I would imagine there's a, a lot of, stress you know i'm not here to poke fun at a company that is um in, in you know ha having these difficulties i see this as a learning exercise something that we can we can learn and you know as soon as this happened i i then did some more research into 503s i have been on the receiving end of a devops issue several i have also caused several shall we say in my in my career and I know how stressful it is, so I, I'm not. This isn't a place for me to poke at uh, at a company. What I want to do today, though, is discuss what a um, a 503 error is, and also provide perhaps some troubleshooting and some solutions to a 503. So a 503 is one of those. It's an exception uh, in the category of a 500 error, meaning that it it is a problem with the server. So. Just to give you a little bit of background with uh, the er these error codes, you've got various different types or different categories. Uh, you've got the 200s, which are um, 
good good things good things are happening with the 200 errors or they're not errors um http status codes with 300s 301s 302s that kind of stuff it's all about redirection and with 400s it's something to do with the uh, request so like a bad request um there may be bad arguments were passed so that's a 400 or maybe for instance it's an access denied error that's a 401 or, or maybe it's a forbidden error that's a 403 uh, so that, that, that's a problem with the, the actual request. Whereas a 500 is more to do with that there is a uh, an issue on the server um, that it, the server is 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 aware about and has has recorded that in some uh, exception, and it's throwing back a 500 or a, a five in this case or a 502 or in this case it's 503, and this and and each of these status codes corresponds to something right so in this case service unavailable is uh from the the w3c here uh the server is currently unavailable to handle the request due to a temporary overloading or, or maintenance of the server the implication is that a temporary condition which uh will be alleviated should be uh, should <laughs> sorry i will say that again it's because i haven't drank my beer yet isn't it uh, the impl- the implication is that this temporary condition uh, which will be alleviated after some delay if known the length of the delay may be indicated by a retry after header so that's retry hyphen header and I, i've also seen other um, types of headers as well that you can use if no retry after is given the client should handle and this is important the client should handle the response as it would as it would for a normal 500 uh, response the problem with what happened with fastly or one of the issues with fastly in terms of a human in terms of a, a an end user issue is that the a lot of users a lot of viewers of these websites these big websites we're talking about a lot of news media went down they were seeing just a white page with uh, this error 503 um uh service unavailable now to techies like you and me that's that means something but to someone who isn't a techie someone who isn't a developer you know hasn't built a website before or, or isn't a programmer they will see us this service unavailable thing and freak out a little bit you know understandably they may even think that uh, it's being hacked so you lose a lot of reputation by not handling these circumstances well and even if i mean this could have been bounced to to something else where it's branded in the same way the website would be branded and it would give you give the user more of a human readable digestible error that just says you know very sorry this has happened uh we are on it it's not your fault that kind of thing it's ours um so very apologetic that kind of thing now i haven't started my beer yet let's do that <laughs> just diving in just diving in right cheers everybody one of these days i'm going to do that and it's just going to bubble up and go all over my desk and ruin my keyboard ah cheers cheers happy thursday happy happy thursday Mm. This is uh, Jamestown. It's a little bit stronger. Well, it's much stronger than the the mid uh, the midway I was on last week, um, but uh, lovely nonetheless.
Okay, so that's what a service unavailable means. That's what a, the 500, 503, sorry, uh, means. Let's talk about some of the causes of these things. Because, well, I mean, one is the, one, one it would be the, you know, the CDN. <laughs> um, but there are others, there are other issues. One is a DDoS, so a, a distributed denial of service attack, right? So this is where uh, the, the traffic, it, you're, you're, you've got a traffic spike, you've got a big spike of traffic that comes through, and someone is doing, is hammering your site constantly, and um, it's consuming all the resource, right? It's consuming all the resource on your server in terms of bandwidth, in terms of uh, CPU, in terms of RAM, memory, all of that stuff. And it's basically clogging up the, uh, the, the, the pipes, if you will. And in doing so, the, the server will eventually overload, right? And when it does... Or if it does, because if you haven't captured this whilst it's happening, um, then you, for certain, for some users, requests might be dropped, and therefore the cert, you may return five hundred three as a HTTP request, because this is all about temporary unavailability, uh, availability, right? So the server's still there; you haven't taken it away, but it's just uh, it's just unavailable to some requests. Now, obviously, if you've got a bad DDoS and it's unavailable to all requests. But anyway, as a result, the server will respond with a 503 error code. Um, another cause could be that, um, a, you know, quite a genuine uh, cause here, uh, an intentional cause sometimes, would be that um, a server might be temporarily unavailable because it's going down for maintenance, right? If that happens, one would like to think in this wonderful world of cloud computing that another server has already spun up to take its place or has already taken its place. It's going through some sort of maintenance uh, type thing. The worrying thing that uh, DevOps uh, people have to deal with are unexpected 503s. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the issue here. So what we're going to do is talk about some uh, some some troubleshooting. And before I do, I should say that this is live as it is every Thursday here at eight o'clock British summer time. And um, I can already see some of the questions coming through. So uh, I will answer those um, as, as we go, but thank you ever so much, everybody for joining. I do appreciate it. Let's talk about some uh, troubleshooting, right? Some troubleshooting. Now this is a, a an error to do with the server. It's not a, a client-sided error. So it's got nothing to do with HTML. It's got nothing to do with CSS or a client-sided JavaScript. Okay, so you can count the front end out on this. So that's one thing. And it's, you know, you, you've got to turn into a detective here and you've got to try and, you know, navigate the, the what could could not be the cake the, the cause here. So the first thing, the first thing you want to do is check uh, monitoring dashboards and graphs, right? So, uh, well, first of all, you want to make sure that you have those in play. Um, so, for instance, uh, with How to Code Well recently, I have um, st started using Sentry. I mean, I know the site as it is isn't live, but I've got it in play. I've never used Sentry before, so I just want to try it out. Um, but they that captures error. Uh, error codes, exceptions, and, and and whatnot, and gives you gives you a nice stack trace and breaks it down by uh, device type and all of that jazz. So anyway, if you don't have monitoring dashboards 
and tools, then uh, do get them. But if you're hitting a 50 or you're having a 503, that's the first thing to do. Monitor your dashboards and graphs for resource-hungry trends, right? So these are trends where the, the graphs are going in a direction they shouldn't be. Um, and perhaps they have gone in a direction very, very quickly. <laughs> um, or, or in some cases, especially when you've got memory leaks, maybe it's just a gradual burn all the way up to the top. And when it gets to a certain point, then the, the server starts to become temporarily unavailable. Um, okay, so the next thing is to check logs that, um, and find anything related to server errors. So checking your, um, your error logs. So your Apache error logs or your Nginx error logs. Um, also certainly check your access logs. Okay, because you might be seeing a lots of requests from a single IP address or a certain uh, group of IP addresses in crazy amounts of time, like incredible, like I, you know, like thousands of requests in 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 a space of a minute. That kind of thing. That that's a that's a flag. That's sort of like, hang on a minute, someone's doing something that they shouldn't be doing, and. By doing that, they're causing my resource, my hardware, my server, my containers to um, get stressed and strained. And so um, this is causing this, uh, this outage. Um, check if the server is going through any unexpected maintenance. So this is, I mean, you might, you might have some updates that are up, up, updating unexpectedly. I mean, that's... That's a, that's a problem in its own right. <laughs> but that, that, that can happen. That can happen. Check if there any firewall configuration, um, perhaps uh, a firewall on your network is preventing uh, the traffic flow. Maybe there's been an update to a firewall and maybe a configuration has been changed and maybe it's, um, that is the bottleneck. You know, maybe you've got one service talking to another microservices, for instance. Maybe you've got many microservices and there is a, 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 an ill-configured firewall in between. Okay, so check long-running scripts. This is one that is very, very common. Okay, so check for long-running scripts that could cause memory leaks. So these are scripts that take a long time to run. They might be, you might look at the code and go, well, you know, it's pretty optimized, but because of the time in which it takes to go through, maybe it's doing like a massive uh, database change or going, iterating through, you know, hundreds of thousands of records in some ill created uh, loop or loops. And maybe maybe you tested it on the first 100 and it all worked fine. And you did that in in the space of a couple of minutes and you thought, oh, that's fine. That's all good. And then you put it to production and you find out that actually you now need to do this on half a million records, you know. So your your test on 100 <laughs> has now exploded into, far, you know, half a million of these things. And so the, you didn't capture the, the performance issues, the potential performance issues that, that uh, you now have. And so over, over time, you're going to have memory leaks. And when it gets to a certain point, you're going to have an outage <laughs> or you're going to have some serious problems. So check for run, uh, uh, long running scripts. 
Um, also check for disk usage as well, which sounds a bit weird, right? But perhaps you're running out of swap space if that's being configured. Check, for instance, I mean, one that I've dealt with before, which was interesting, was um, one of the a, a server that I had was running out of disk space because of the logging. It was logging too much and it didn't remove the old logs. So it was there was no log rotation going. Um, <laughs> I was like, "What? Why is this server full?" Oh, okay. Uh, there's no room for any more error logs because I've got error logs from years and years ago. So yeah, it's those kind of small drip feedy kind of uh, processes that just take a little bit of resource just as they go, but they don't give the resource back. Okay, so stop any. Okay, so I've now talked. To I've talked about some of the troubleshooting and, and how to sort of see where the error is. The other one is solutions, right? So these are some things that you can do to try and solve a 503 error. So first of all, you want to stop jobs and uh, cron jobs and anything that is running in the background. Um, you want to make sure you that you, you allocate uh, the resource that you need to um, fulfill the, the traffic. The, requ- the the requests so also what what you should do is um, divert the traffic to a stable box so you could do this through perhaps a load balancer so spin up a, a box that you know works and doesn't have any fluff uh, well not fluff it doesn't have any other processes running right so this is a time where you look at your your monolith and go well actually if these were all smaller resource constrained containers or servers that did their one job and their one job well then perhaps we wouldn't be having these issues um so for instance if you've got a a, a monolith that contains both the database and the and the web server plus the cron jobs then Maybe you've got an issue there. Maybe this is an opportunity in a, a lessons learned type uh, type meeting afterwards to break some things down, because maybe you're finding that actually these these um, you're getting these temporary five hundred three una- service unavailable issues happening every evening or every every uh, at midnight every every time a particular cron job runs. <laughs> you're using the resource in a heavy script, but that script's only running, you know, at a certain time. But if that script was running on a separate box outside of, outside of your, you know, so it's not a public facing thing, right? So it's somewhere in your network, but isn't actually affecting the traffic, then that would be better, right? That would be, that would be good. So you want to divert the traffic to something that is nice and stable. You also want to scale your application horizontally, so not vertically, not like a monolith. You want to be scaling your 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 containers. Uh, I keep going saying containers because I keep expecting everyone to be using containers, but you know, it could be VPSs. But you want to be scaling horizontally by bringing different servers and containers uh, to handle the traffic. Maybe this is a genuine issue, right? Maybe this is a ge- maybe the marketing department have put out a a press release that uh, your development team was not aware of <laughs> and maybe they've offered some incredible offer and they have sent millions of users to the website and in doing so <laughs> they've caused this traffic spike so maybe it's a genuine thing maybe it's a genuine thing um so you want to you want to you want to have a look and see if there's anything that uh, could have caused that in a genuine way 
Also have an autoscaler. So going back to scaling here, have an autoscaler that keeps tabs on your traffic and keeps scaling horizontally when it needs to. But also you can set thresholds. So AWS does this really well, where you can set thresholds to say, look, when, when we hit this threshold, bring these boxes online. And then when, when it goes back to this threshold, remove these boxes and have um, a default number of, of, uh, of boxes running. And lastly, but, n- but not least, is to reboot the bloody thing. <laughs> um, so this is a classic on and off type scenario where you just turn the server off and then you turn it back on again. And by doing so, you free up the resource. <laughs> It does work. It does work. But obviously make sure that you've diverted the traffic to somewhere else first before you've done this. The The real problems are when you have to do this, right? Where the box just is refusing any form of connection, you know, even if it's HTTP request, uh, connection or SSH connection, maybe you just have to just go into some some cloud dashboard and go reboot. <laughs> because that's the only thing you can do. <laughs> ah, well, let's get on to some of the questions. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, Martin958, uh, a nice regular, thank you for joining again tonight. Uh, would you ever be interested in, lear- in, in learning JavaScript on your podcast? In, would I be ever interested in learning? So in learning JavaScript, well, I've done a lot of JavaScript courses on the How to Cope Well platform here. So I, I, I there's lots of JavaScript that I need to learn. Um, but it, I mean, if you could bring, if you could, um, if you could come up with some examples, that would be very, very handy. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about particular parts of of, uh, JavaScript. JavaScript is an interesting beast because there's a lot of frameworks in JavaScript. There's far more frameworks in JavaScript than there is in other sort of programming sort of languages in in web development. There's there's a lot of uh, room for maneuver. And JavaScript is one of these very flexible languages, shall we say, uh, that is used on uh, all sorts of different platforms and therefore has so many different challenges, more so than other programming languages such as PHP. So, for example, with JavaScript, you can write JavaScript on the server, although I really can't think why you would, but uh, you can. You can use Node.js. You can build uh, mobile applications using JavaScript. Hello, and I've certainly done that. I've certainly done that, which is great because you can you can write these these JavaScript apps, and they can, in some cases, compile down to the native language. So, in my experience, I've used things like Titanium, AlloyJS to uh, to do that, and so you end up with a the the, uh, the iPhone equivalent and the Android equivalent of the of the application that you can post to their app stores, which is really really great. Um, so yeah, JavaScript is very interesting. You've also of course got um, you know computer games built in JavaScript. People have even built operating systems with JavaScript. I don't know why, but you can. And so I think that just you know because you can, people do. <laughs> Doesn't mean they you should. <laughs> 
I, the thing is, I'm a bit of an old school when it comes to, I'm, I'm like a fuddy-duddy when it comes to JavaScript, because I was taught JavaScript when JavaScript was never any of these things. JavaScript was JavaScript. JavaScript was, was um, an event handler for a website. It handled things like on-click events. It handled things like, like form validation, you know, user events. There was no, no need to do any other thing. The, the thought of putting JavaScript on the server was just a laughable because you had, you had got so many other good programming languages to do that. And um, I, that's where I sort of draw the line. It's like, you know, JavaScript should be done on the client because I can't think of a good reason why I would want to use JavaScript on the server. Not unless it was, I mean, if I was to ever do that, it would have to be TypeScript or something. <laughs> yeah. Although saying that, I have, I have used JavaScript in serverless. I've certainly done that. Yeah. So a bit of a contradiction there. So things like um, image resizing, I've definitely done, used, used Node for, for that. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel very nervous putting anything npm-esque on on uh, on a server. It just doesn't feel it doesn't fill me full of confidence because the thing is the thing is I can think of countless projects, side projects that I've done in the past and come back to them and then did a sort of an npm upgrade and it's failed miserably and you don't want that unreliability on the server. So it makes me feel a little nervous using Node. I don't. I honestly can't think of a good a good reason why you would want to do that. But anyway, that's just my argument. But JavaScript. I mean, I. <laughs> so when I was at university, I did ActionScript. Ah, <laughs> uh, can anyone remember ActionScript? That was um, that was fun. That was actually a really fun module. I loved doing that. That was really good. It was. It was. Um, about uh, building computer games and we were using ActionScript and Flash. So the ActionScript was, was coding um, the Flash movies and having interactions. So you would build Flash games and you would be able to control parts of the game using, like, for instance, the game that I created. You could use the keyboard to change direction of the thing that you were controlling. And um, that was all running through um, ActionScript, uh, which is very similar to JavaScript, but unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, <laughs> reminiscing now. So ActionScript is no more, no more because obviously Flash is no more. That wasn't my first introduction to JavaScript. I did a whole module at college where we were going through JavaScript events and we were doing things like form validation and and on-click events and, and other things like that. I've got a love-hate relationship with JavaScript, <laughs> I think. And I, I find it funny that there are so many frameworks out there for JavaScript. I really do. It's, um, it seems like sometimes there's a new JavaScript framework all the, you know, every week, which is interesting. Um, I, I suppose it's because JavaScript is used in all various different places. Um, and so you've got various different needs and requirements. But uh, I, I also find NPM is a challenge to use sometimes and perhaps not the most reliable uh, package manager of, of for, for programming. I mean, I know that, uh, say, Go and PHP does things very, very differently. Um, and, and so does Python. 
uh, with their pip. Yeah, I just I look at JavaScript and I look at everything else, and I see and I try and work out what JavaScript is, where where JavaScript is going to go, and I can't work it out. Whereas with the other programming languages, they seem to have more of a defined path and a defined motive of why they why they are doing what they do and they they're they're doing that thing well because of the it suits the language whereas there's a ton of things that i've seen uh and used on with javascript and i'm like couldn't this have been done using a language that is best suited it's almost like javascript is a hammer right and everything is everything every problem looks like a nail but anyway <laughs> that's my take that's my take Thank you ever so much for for uh, watching here on uh, the YouTubes and listening on the podcasts. I will be putting episode 104, um, which is all about dry, on the podcast player tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Um, so go check that out if you haven't listened to that already. And that will be, uh, or if you haven't seen it already on the, on the YouTubes. So that will be, that will be on Spotify, it'll be on iTunes. Um, and all those good places. So that's the House Code Well podcast, which this is. And of course, do check us out uh, if you want to come on board. If you're listening on the podcast right now and you're like, hey, you know, I want to join in the discussion, then uh, this happens every Thursday at 8 o'clock, um, uh, 20 hundred hours, British summertime, live on YouTube. How to Code Well is the channel name. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. And I'll see you again on Twitch on Sunday at 14.30, British summertime. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.